Isaiah 54, I'm excited about this passage. It is our theme passage for the missions conference, and it just fits right along going through Isaiah. My wife asked me a question last night. She said, honey, are you skipping all the other chapters? You just finished 38. Are you skipping from chapter 38 to 54? And I said, no, 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 no. I had to jump forward a little bit, and then we're going back in reverse. Amen? It's kind of like driving for some of you. Amen? You go forward, then you go back in reverse there a little bit there. So we're, uh, we're going to be okay. We'll be back in chapter 39 probably next week or the week after there. The missionaries will be preaching then. And I'm looking forward to just getting September. It's going to be a great time. I've got a, I've got a number of things I want to tell you about. That there's about 10 to 12 things we need to do as a church. And uh, we're going to have some folks go out and start sowing again on Saturdays. A little bit modified. We're going to, our, our goal is to put tracks at people's doors. I just feel like right now the climate may not be very good for us to try to engage conversation. If they want to talk to us, that's different. But we're going to go with you know face masks, things like that. But our goal is to get out probably about 20,000 tracks over the next five to six weeks here. And we're going to get that started as soon as the missions conference is over. And then I've got a number of other things we're going to tell you about that we're excited about to try to keep things moving for the Lord, and that'll fit right along with our message this morning. Isaiah chapter 54, listen as I read this morning there, and at home you can read aloud and read as loud as you can from at home. Listen to what he says in verse 1. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Now, you gotta, you don't have to that phrase which says, saith the Lord. When God says something, it is truth. Amen? It, you can believe it, and you can hang on to it. Look at verse 2. Now, this is, how many, if you, how many of you are just watching today, how many of you like going camping? Amen? None of you like going camping. I can't tell from the TV there, okay? But camping, camping can kind of be kind of fun, except for putting up the tent. That's the hardest work there is putting up the tent. Look what he says, verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, strengthen thy cords, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Now, in verse 2, you want to underline some words there, because that's going to be the crux of our message in a few minutes. The word enlarge, the words thy tent, the word stretch forth, spare not, lengthen, and strengthen. This is going to help us today. This will help us to get a world vision, a vision for the world, what God wants us to do. Father, bless your word this morning. Awaken us, stir us. I pray for your congregation that you'd keep your people healthy and safe. Increase our faith this morning. Speak to us in the beauty of holiness. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Remove every distraction, and there are a lot of them. Cleanse us this morning from all filthiness of the flesh and superfluity of naughtiness. Lord, what we just read are the oracles of God. It's the inspired word of God. And I pray that you'll give me authority, anointing, and ability to preach your word today. I pray to preach as a dying man to dying people. And God, you would help us that your name would be lifted up and Christ would be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In spite of COVID-19, our church is still having a missions conference. We're not canceling it. We have to modify it a little bit there. I wish we could have all of our missionaries come in, but just logistically, it just is not going to work. But we've got two of our, two of our, our keynote preachers that I've asked over a year ago to come, and we're thankful to have uh, these missionaries come and I'll start with some of the ones who have pre-recorded messages that will be shown, like we have one on Wednesday night, and then we have, uh, we have some Sunday school lessons to be prepared, but we're anticipating veteran missionary Dan Morris, who is a missionary to Mexico, doing an incredible work for God. I love Brother Morris. I remember the first time I met him, probably about 15 years ago. Great work of God he's doing down in Mexico, just way down on the coastline there. Started about 23 churches there. 
Veteran Missionary William Miracle will be preaching a message we'll be using to help our Chinese-speaking department. Adam Turnbull, who's on deputation <coughs> to Cambodia, and then Brother Garen Patrick, who's on deputation to Nigeria. Our two keynote speakers, you heard one of them in the greeting this morning. His name was Brother Jerry Wyatt. Brother Wyatt has been on the field, I think, now for about 12 years, and uh, has been down in Tanzania. And uh, of the many, many good things that they do, they had a crusade every, every year at this time, where they just, it's a soccer crusade, and they had a, like, I think 6,500 people come this year with about, uh, about, I think what he told me is about 500 people that trusted Christ as their Savior, which we rejoice about. And then we have Brother Matt Haynes, who's in a restricted access nation, a very difficult one, and uh, very risky, and they're just doing a good work. And we just got a report about two years ago how they got their church started. Some of you might remember the video we showed of just the, the church they're doing, and they're just underground and kind of doing things just off the radar screen because it's very, very risky for them to do that. But we're looking forward to them being with us and sharing some some things. Missions is not found in the Bible in the sense of the word. You will not find the word missions in the Bible. But missions is a concept that we use to describe what we call the Great Commission. It's a concept we use to describe getting God's job done through his people. It is where local churches are sending out missionary preachers, if you would, preachers and uh, people, folks, and men who are called to preach to start churches. And through the starting of those churches, the gospel is propagated and preached. And as men and women get saved, they're entering to discipleship, and through discipleship, we reproduce the same thing in their heart, praying that God will call some men to preach, and that God will do a great work in their heart. Now, we find the emphasis and priority of missions found in Matthew 28. If you're looking at your notes or your Bible, Matthew 28, very familiar passage of Scripture. Maybe some of you are new to the faith don't know it. In Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus was standing on a hillside. And he was delivering his final words to his disciples before he sent it to heaven. And you all know how this works. When someone gives their final statement before they leave this life, you better pay attention, amen, because there's some important things with that. And he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. Now that may be familiar with a lot of us who've been around the, been around the scriptures here, but man, those, are two, those two verses, they, they kind of set the groundwork for everything. First of all, we have the command to go. Christians are to go. Churches are to go. I, I like the word go. It's an action word. We ought to go to church. We ought to go witnessing. We ought to go soul winning. We ought, to, we ought to do something for God. We need to go, amen? I mean, that's a great action word. We need to go. That's what God, God didn't say to stop, and God didn't say to sleep, and God didn't say to slow down. God said go. That's in the Bible there. And he didn't say go. He didn't say that Jesus had to go. go. Jesus already went to he said, go ye. He said, go ye. Okay? And when you think about that, now he's telling us, what do you do? Well, it's just not so winning. He said, go and teach all nations. Now, that's very comprehensive because in saying that, what, he, what he's referring to, number one, the word teach is the word we get, the word for disciple. He says the process begins by explaining the gospel, leading them to Christ, and then the goal being the vision we have in that person's life is to get them started through discipling, to get them to grow in the Lord, and so that they get, they get established in the faith. And he furthers that up in verse 20 by saying, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Now, we don't, have, we, don't have a, we don't have any discussion with God about that. He says to teach the entire counsel of God. And as we teach in current counsel of God, we're not going to cut and paste. We're not going to eliminate. We have to, we have to tell you the things that you're going to love to hear and things that are very difficult that we have to grow in grace in, okay? And so when he says that, we teach them to learn all things. We're, our goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. A disciple is one who follows his master. The pastor is not the master. The pastor is an example. The master is Jesus Christ. We're to follow his pattern. We're to follow where he goes. We're to be in his footsteps, if you would. So we're to teach them. And then he says baptizing them. Now, the the commission for baptizing, I'll be preaching a message soon on a Wednesday night about baptism, be entitled Real ID, but baptism is commissioned by the local New Testament church. The local New Testament church gives the authority for the pastor and others who are ordained to baptize in the church, okay? So he's talking about this is a great, the great commission is centered upon a local New Testament church. It, now, thank God for parachurches, but this was not given to a parachurch. It was given to the church. It was given to the local church. A parachurch means something that comes alongside of there. Now, thank God there's some parachurch ministries that are blessing, but God chose to use the local church. And so we look at this, we're to take the gospel 
to every nation. We're to take to the inmost parts of the earth. Now that can be very scary, especially if you're not really fond of traveling. And that can be very scary when you don't know a language. And that can be very scary when you've got to learn the culture, tradition of that nation. But here's what the Lord promises us in verse 20. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, just that thought alone that Jesus is with you, that's, that, that just takes care of everything. Amen? He's with you no matter what happens there. And it's that old song we used to sing, if Jesus goes with me, I go. I'll tell you what, Jesus goes with you, just go. Amen? That's what you ought to do. You need to go there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And our desire through world missions is that we do our part in this area, of permeating this area of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then as God works in our hearts to stay attuned, and I'll talk about this this morning, attentive about other nations of the world and where the need is most, where we need to get the gospel there. So we see that that's a great need. John Falconer said this, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. That's biblical. He's saying that's the utmost parts of the earth. It's dark where the gospel hasn't been, but where the gospel gets there, there's the light of the gospel. And then Oswald Smith said this, the mission of the church is missions. Now let me say this today. I realize we have pandemic. I realize we have people that are health vulnerable and all these kind of things like that, and we respect the fact that people feel a little bit concerned about their health and being spoiled. I understand all that. But it doesn't change the priority of missions. Missions is still the priority of the church. Now, we may be a little bit reserved, and we may be taking a handkerchief and wipe our brow and thinking, okay, that I get a little bit of a breather this year. Listen, God wants you and I to do what we're going to preach about this morning from Isaiah 54 and realizing that missions is always of the heartbeat of God. God's will is that every person gets saved. God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. He doesn't want a few men to be saved. He just doesn't want a Christianized nation being one. He wants, he, God's desires that every nation could be Christianized. God's desires that every nation can hear the God. Hey, many of you, many of my brethren here today who are Spanish-speaking, you ought to have a desire for everyone in the Spanish-speaking world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those of you who are Chinese-speaking, you ought to have a desire that everyone that's Chinese-speaking hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those of you who speak Tagalog, you ought to have a desire that everyone's Tagalog-speaking hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those of you who are Vietnamese-speaking, you ought to have a burden that everyone who's Vietnamese-speaking hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why if you go onto our website, you'll find that we've been diligently adding gospel presentations in different languages. The most recent one that will be added is in Vietnamese. And we're just thankful that we've got it in Spanish and Chinese and a number of other languages, Arabic and other languages. So you can sit down with somebody that you're witnessing to, take them right to the website, take them right to that gospel presentation, just say something like this, give me 10 minutes and let my friend, let somebody here from our website tell you how you can be saved. It's right in their language there so you can start a conversation and get something going. God is concerned in missions. Oswald Smith said this, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. That's pretty strong, but that's true. If a church is not doing what it should be, we have forfeited our biblical right to exist. Our authority for being here is not that our name is on a church charter. Our, name, our, re, our reason for being here is because Jesus founded the church. It's his church. Now, Lotus Isaiah 54, I have a lot of ground to cover in a little time. Isaiah 54 follows after one of the most monumental, incredible chapters of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 53. And if you're not familiar with Isaiah 53, my prayer is that you get familiar with it and learn it and even try to memorize it because the gospel is found in Isaiah 53. The death the burial and the resurrection is all here. Go back to my Easter message I preached out of Isaiah 53. It's all here. And as you look at Isaiah 53, the Jews, as we've been preaching through Isaiah, first Israel, then Judah, had the sins of idolatry that permeated their nation. Without any conscience, they would go through the motions of doing their ceremonies, which if you understand their ceremonies and their sacrifices, all of that spoke about Jesus Christ, book of Leviticus. All of it speaks about, I mean, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the Passover, 
Feast of Harvest, Feast of the Tabernacles, all of it speaks about Jesus Christ. And they had no heart for it. They would go through the ceremonies, and then the rest of the day they would go where the, what the Bible calls the groves, the tree groves, and the high places where there were idols that they worshipped. Now that, that would be equated like this for some of us. I mean, like some of us, you get saved, and God wants all your heart. He wants you to worship him. To know that the Lord's day is his day, not our day, it's his day. That's why it's called the Lord's day, amen? And after you finish your Lord's day, you go off and worship your favorite idol, whatever that might be. There's a conflict of interest there at a minimum, Amen? There's a conflict of interest there. And so, when we get to Isaiah 54, Israel's gone. The Assyrian kingdom came in at 721, 722 B.C., took the remainder of them captive. Hezekiah, around 701 B.C., had to deal with, the, had to deal with uh, Sennacherib, and we, we study that. And God defeated 185,000 Assyrians. God gives us Isaiah 53. He gives him a foretaste of the gospel message. He's not talking about a lamb, animal. He's talking about the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we get to that Isaiah 54 because to have, because to give you Isaiah 54 without Isaiah 53, you have nothing to preach. Amen? You have to have a gospel to preach. You've got to have a savior to preach. You, you've got to have a message to preach, amen? And so that message is Jesus Christ. And so, so we, we get over here, and God just unveils here to this, the people of Judah, their predicament. And the essence, if you want to write this down here today, the essence of verses 1 to 3 is about expansion and growth of God's work. That, that's what he's talking about there. The expansion and growth of God's work. And what he's going to tell us here is that words like enlarge and stretching forth and spare not and strengthen and, and, and lengthen and strength. You know what he's talking about there? He said, you better get ready because I'm going to grow the work. You better get ready. I'm going to grow the work. And so our theme for this year comes right out of verse 2, stretching forth. Stretching forth, okay? Everybody knows what stretching is. Stretching hurts, amen? The older you get, the harder it is to stretch, amen? If you don't stretch, it gets tight. You all know that. Before you do any major exercise, you stretch to warm up, to loose those limbs, or you're going to be feeling really bad afterwards, amen? And then you stretch later on. We understand the matter of stretching things. We understand of stretching rubber bands. That concept is embedded in everyone's mind. As soon as a little child has cognizance, that everybody understands stretching. And God uses the phrase stretching forth to talk to us about his work, about his local church, about missions, the importance of stretching for him. I want you to see three things very quickly this morning, very quickly. Number one, I want you to see the favorable promise. In verse one, Judah, as Israel, is pictured as a barren wife. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Israel was married to God. He used that as, an, as, a, as a relationship example. In the New Testament, the church is the bride of Christ. The marriage, as we st studied in Revelation 19 a few weeks ago, the marriage is consummated in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, please understand that. Remember now in the, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Israel is not the church. In fact, the concept of the church was not even there in the, in, in the Old Testament there, okay? And the church is not Israel. You must understand that. Israel is not the church the church is not Israel. Now, we're going to make an application here, but I want you to know for correct interpretation, this is not, this is not saying this is the church. He's speaking, to, he's speaking to Israel and Judah, but I'm going to make an application that you'll understand here today, okay? Now, Judah, he describes her as a barren wife. O barren that didst not bear, thou that didst not travail with child, you're desolate. As he describes this, I want you to understand the condition leading to the promise. Barrenness means this. A woman is unable to bring forth children. The medical term we use is infer infertility. The inability to bear children. Now, 
when we think about that, there's, there's a couple of things that come to our mind real quickly. There, first of all, there's sterility in the condition. Barrenness basically means you can't have children. It basically means no matter, no matter how you try, it's not going to happen. And that's a big letdown. That's incredible disappointment because with the sterility, there's a stigma. And in those days, the stigma and the pressure was unbearable. Because for a woman that could not bear back in those days, she was considered, she was, she was just basically written off. She was considered as, as a failure. She was seen as there was pressure. I mean, it just was a very, very difficult thing. I mean, you just go back to Abraham and Sarai. She wasn't able to bear, and so she did something the culture did. They used the substitutionary wife situation, which is not what God wanted them to do. And you know, not to be able to have children in those days was a very difficult thing. It was a stigma that you carried with you. And, uh, you, you know, you were looked upon unfavorably. And nobody knew the pressure more than the wife herself because she, more than anything else, she wanted to be a mother. She wanted to have children. She wanted her, her household filled and running over children. Read the, read the Old Testament, and it talks about just children running here and there. I mean, there was a wonderful thing about that. But this condition has a spiritual application. Just as much it was an embarrassment, and just as much as it was a stigma, and just as much it was a failure, and just as much it was a problem for a woman back in those days not to be able to bear children, there's a spiritual application because God is also speaking to his people. He's saying, he's talking to people that perhaps, perhaps are barren, people that have little to no fruit, people who are, who are not seeing the, the fruit in their lives as they should. The Bible talks to us about this sterility of the Christian life. I wondered this morning how many of us can honestly look in the face of God and realize it's been a long time since we've seen answered prayer. And it's been a long time since we've given the gospel to someone and led somebody to Christ. And it's been a long time since we've seen the fruit of the Spirit. And it's been a long time since we've seen God work in our life. And it's been a long time since we've brought forth fruit that would remain. And it's been a long time since God has seen fruit product in our life. We're kind of like that tree that's out there. It bears leaves, but there's no fruit with it, as Jesus said about the fig tree. You see, the Bible tells us this. We're to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Because he says this in Peter, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgot what manner of man he was. I wonder how many Christians that, were, that are here, that, 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 are, that are listening to this message this morning, that you, there was a time you were on fire for God, and there was a time you were winning souls to Christ, and there was a time you were on fire for God and you gave out gospel tracts and there was a time you went after sinners and there was a time you had your devotion and you didn't leave your devotion until God got a hold of you and there was a time when you didn't leave until the holiness of God changed your eyes and changed your mind and you thought good things and right things and you had unity with the brethren. I wonder how long it has been since you spent time in prayer and walked with God through prayer and saw great answers to prayer and God working but now things have settled in and there are distractions that have come and COVID-19 has come and pandemics have come and social distancing has come and all of these kind of things that we've used as, as our, our reason for just getting along in life and our job situation is not so good and all these other things are not so good. And when we look at the bottom line, we stop for a minute, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I barren? Have I been fruitless? Are there things happening in my life to the glory and pleasure of God? Spurgeon said, a church in the land without the Spirit is rather a curse than a blessing. If you have not the Spirit of God, Christian worker, remember that you stand in somebody else's way. Whoa. You are a fruitless tree standing where a fruitful tree might grow. Now, he tells us a condition for the promise, but I'm not going to leave you there. I wanna, I'm thankful this morning that he gives us a consolation for the promise. Amen? He gives us a consolation. Notice what he says here. God says, I see your barrenness. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning. God loves us. Amen? God loves us. And sometimes if you've got a failure mindset because maybe you grew up in a rough, a rough family background, I want to remind you what it says over here in verse 7. He says, but with great mercies will I gather thee. I remind you this morning that God's mercies are new every morning. You can say, great is thy faithfulness. And I want to tell you this morning as we read the word of God, God gave a consolation to barren Judah. He first of all told Judah, listen, I want you to sing. Because he gave her the consolation of removal. He said, sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth in a singing cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. He gave her the consolation of renewal. He said something of removal. He said something very remarkable. He said, for more 
are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. Now, you have to sit there. If you're only probably a woman could understand that, who's given, who's given birth to a child. He said, I'm going to take a woman who has the inability right now, who's barren, who has the inability to have children, and I'm going to bless her in such a way She's going to have more children than the married wife. Now, today we talk about how many children you have. Hey, back in those days, they, had, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't put a number on the children. They had a lot of children, amen? They just had a lot of children. Some of you come from countries and backgrounds where you come from large families. That's just what people did. They had Because they loved having children. They wanted, they wanted, the, they wanted the, their homes filled with laughter and their homes filled with, 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 with children and doing things and, and all of that that goes with that. And today that's being made a mockery because of the, the, mind, the humanistic mindset. Uh, people today are more inclined for killing life than producing life. You think about that for just a minute. And so he said, listen, I've got a consolation for you. The barren's going to have, the barren woman will produce more children than the married woman, the desolate woman. And then he talks about, but then the question is, she's thinking, well, wait a minute, you're going to remove the stigma, you're going to remove my sterility, I'm going to be able to have children. And by the way, did you notice verse 1? He says, sing, because you're going to break forth into singing. He says, you're going you're gonna to break out here, you're gonna, they're going to have a lot of children here. And she's thinking about, well, how's that all going to happen? And there's not only the consolation of the removal, but look at verse 5. There's the consolation of the relationship. And he reminds her that the way it's going to happen is because God is her husband. He says, for thy maker is thy husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall be called. You know how you can be fruitful? You know how you can remove the stigma of barrenness? You know how you can go from being fruitless to being fruitful? You know how you can be productive from being non-productive? God. By God. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Listen, that's for John chapter 15. He tells us it's all found in a relationship with him. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God's will is for every Christian is that we bear much fruit. God's will for every Christian is that we have much fruit because that pleases God. That's how God is glorified. And you know, we get on these gyrations about asking how is God going to get glorified. I tell you how God is glorified. God is glorified when we're bearing much fruit. Bottom line. It's a relationship. It's possible because God is our creator. It's possible because he's the Lord of hosts. It's possible because he's our redeemer. How many glad that you're saved, Amen. It's possible because he's the Holy One of Israel and everything God does, I remind you this morning, is because he's holy, not because he's giving us slack, not because, because he's cool. No, everything God does is because God is a holy God. And he's the consolation rejoicing you can sing. I realize we have all these inhibitions and the counties are telling us you can't sing because it's going to spread the virus and I wish they'd come and see our church and realize that we've implemented, they'd look on our website that we've implemented what we believe is a model for safe assembly and, and uh, you know, I, I believe, I still, I'm, I'm a, a different opinion. I think as you wear a mask, you could sing, but regardless of whatever they think, I'm just going to tell you today, you can sing, you can sing in your car, you can sing in the shower so nobody can hear you, amen? You can sing. Sing, O Baron. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're struggling through this pandemic because you've, had, you've been fruitless and things are not happening the way it is, I want to tell you this morning, God promises, he gives us a favorable promise. He says, sing, O barren. And if you feel that way, I want to encourage you this morning to leave, to leave this service today with the holy imprint of God in your heart that you don't have to be barren. You don't have to be fruitless. You can get back your relationship with God and by the power of God because he's your creator and he's your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, that you can be fruitful once again. We see a favorable promise quickly, which you notice the faith preparation. Now I want you to understand verse 2. In those days, people that didn't live in the city, they lived outside the city. They didn't live in houses. They lived in tents. That tents were their homes. That's why the Bible uses in the Old Testament the word habitation. Next time you read habitation, ask yourself the question, is it, is it, a, was it some kind of a dwelling they put together with mud? Or was it a tent dwelling? Everybody understood the concept of tent dwelling. From the beginning days, as we read about the patriarchs here in Abraham, they lived in tents. That was their dwelling. Now, they were not tents like some of us. We think tents are cool when we go camping because we go out to, we go to Big Five and, or Costco when they have it on sale, and we buy a six-person tent, and we think these polyurethane things, that, that, that's, a, that's a tent. That's not a tent. Let me tell you, amen, okay? 
That's a temporary covering. Because that fabric will tear. And that fabric will age. And that fabric will wear away in the weather. But the tents they had in those days, think of it this way, that every family had a tent that they lived in that was equivalent to something like a circus tent, if you've ever seen a circus tent. And the tents that they had, the material they used was goat skin. How many understand what goat skin is? Amen? It was goat skin. It wasn't polyurethane, so they hadn't even invented that there, okay? They used goat skins, and they had to sew it together. And when they did this, the concept of a tent was very real in people's mind. When, they, when, the, when the Jews came from the outskirts, from different areas, and they came to Jerusalem to three or four times a year to celebrate the feast, you know what? If they couldn't get a lodging in town, they had to live on the outskirts, and they'd have to bring a tent. They made sure they had a tent, and they would live under that tent during that period of time. I mean, that was nothing new to people. The Feast of the Tabernacles, people lived inside of booths. They understand the concept of a tent. Now tents in those days were a dwelling place. And so I want you to imagine as we get to verse 2, here's what's going on. In verse 2, here's this family here that God has just spoken to in verse 1. Here's this family. It's a husband and wife and maybe a servant or somebody like that. And they've got this tent where it, their, their tents were designed just like modern day homes that they had, they had curtains, if you would, that basically separated rooms. And so they, they would have a tent here. And I want you to imagine here, if you're watching on my platform, I want you to imagine that you enter the tent and they may have separate entryways and you'd have this curtain that would go up and maybe the man would live here and the children would live next door. And if they had somebody else, they would have another curtain up and they would live next door and that would be how it would be done. And if you think about Jacob's day when all the, all his, the, the his enlarged family, that Jacob had many, many different tents there. They'd have different tents they made. But they, they made these tents and they made these tents to be durable. And they made these tents to last him, and they made these tents to travel with. And so I want you to imagine with me here. Here's this family of two or three. They've got maybe a family of two, and God has just given this promise that this wife is no longer going to be barren. She's no longer going to be in that stuck, stuck in that situation. She's going to have children. And God said, he said, you're going to travail with child, and the desolate will have more children than the married. How many with me? Say amen. You're going to have more children than the desolate. You're going to have an abundance of children. And God didn't put a cap on it. He said, you're just going to have, keep on having children, and keep on having children, and keep on having children, and keep on having children. And you know, when you marry 16, you can just keep on having children. Amen? He said, you're going to keep on having children there. And so they're going to keep having children there. And he says, now here's what's going to happen. You're going to have children, and here's what you need to do. You better get ready for that growth. You better get ready for those babies going to be born. And you better get ready for what I'm going to do. And so to do that, you better take a look at your tent, because when those babies start coming, you don't want to be in a place you run out of room. He says, get ready for the babies to come. Get ready for the growth that's going to happen here. Here's what I want you to do. You need to enlarge the place of thy tent. He said, in other words, here, here if you imagine my pulpit area, this is the perimeter of your tent. He said, I want you to start stretch, thinking about stretching out the borders. The borders are going to go about a little bit further. They're going to go out this way. They're going to go out this way. They're going to go out both these ways. You're going to stretch. You're going to enlarge the place of thy tent. He said, you're going to enlarge the place of thy tent. That place is talking about the land that you occupy. Then he says, secondly, and then let them stretch forth the curtains. Now, if you've ever put up a tent, you understand this. They, they, they designed these tents. Again, these, these tents we use today with the bars and all those kind of things, rods. The design of that was for you to stretch the fabric. Amen? Why do you stretch the fabric? You stretch the fabric because you don't want any slack in the material. If you have slack in the tent, what's going to happen to your tent with the dew of the morning? It's going to sag. Amen? And that's a problem to say. It's a problem if it rains and the tent collapses on you during the rain. If you've ever had that happen, you remember you're going to put your tent the right way. And so he says, okay, I'm under, I'm, when he wrote verse 2, he says, I'm going to presume you all understand how to make a tent. I'm going to presume you all understand that. So he says, you're going to enlarge your tent. And with that, you're going to make more room. So he says, here's what you're going to do. He says, stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. He's nearly saying there, he says, I want you to stretch the material. I want you to stretch it as far as you can. I want you to have a lot of room for growth. He says, I want you to have a lot of room to expand. I want you to have a lot of room for what, what's going to happen here because I'm going to bless you with children. And he says, I want you to stretch forth the curtains. I want you to add more curtains. I want you to add more goatskins. And he says, notice this phrase in verse 3. In verse 3 he says, and spare not. In other words, he says, don't be cheap. He says, in other words, he says, don't be skimpy. He says, in other words, don't, don't have a limited vision. Spare not. He said, man, just put more material and have a vision for expanding and enlarging. He says, because remember, I'm getting you ready for growth. I already told you, I promise you, you're going to have growth. I already promised you, you're going to grow and you're going to expand. But I want you to spare not. And he says, strengthen the cords. Because after you stretch the material and you've added more material and you stretch it, stretch as far as you can, then you've got to tie some cords. And he says, you better lengthen the cords a little bit. Why lengthen the cords? Because as you lengthen the cords, you can pull 
pull the material out a little bit more. You stretch the material a little bit. Now you strengthen. And what does that do? That gives you more space. That gives you more room. That allows you to grow a little bit more. That allows you to expand a little more. So now you stretch the, you stretch the core. And then he says, now you've got to put your stake down. So in other words, you use probably a little simple, a little simple stake, maybe about that big before, like a little dowel. Now you've got to get one about this thick. You've got to get a long, long stake. And you've got to stake it down. You've got to take a mallet and hammer it in. And as you put that mallet in there, and the stake in there, you're settling down that this is going to get there. Hey, you know what God's telling us here? He said, listen, I'm going to bless you with children. I'm going to bless you with growth. You don't even understand how much you're going to have. He says, it's only up to you to decide what's going to happen. He said, what I'm telling you right now is you need to have a faith preparation for expansion. A faith preparation for expansion. Now notice very quickly, first of all, in order for this to happen, look at the application now. It requires faith. You've got to have faith in the promise of verse 1. Now here's our problem why we're not fruitful. We don't, have pro- we don't have faith in what God has said. If you have faith in Hebrews 10.25, you'll assemble and be at church. Think about that. If you have faith in what the Bible says in Matthew 28.19.20, being a part of the missions program is a no-brainer. I said it's a no-brainer. We don't have faith in the promise we must have faith in the praying because as he told this woman, I guarantee you those old Hebrews back in those days, they got back down on their knees and they were praying and saying, God, is this really true? And God, how much are you going to bless us? And they wanted to get the mind of God. They wanted to know, God, okay, well, how, how many children should I have? Can we, how, do we, how, how far do we go? And listen, maybe some man said, I'm going to have five. Maybe another one said, I'm going to have ten. But then the mother got involved and said, you know what? As long as I'm childbearing, we're going to just keep on having children and having children and having children. And that man started wiping his brow and said, okay, I'm going to get ready for expansion here. So I better start stretching the curtains. I better start stretching the cords. I better lengthen the cords, and I better get a bigger stake, and I need to hammer down. Listen, it requires faith. God is telling us here, listen, church, God is telling us here, pandemics are going to be gone someday, and as we look forward to that day, we've got to get ready for church growth. God wants his church to grow. God wants people to get saved. God wants people to fill up the house of God. He said, fill up the house of God, and he said, yet there's still room. He's telling us in missions, we better have faith and realize there's more missionaries to support. And we've got to realize there are missionaries that we don't even know about right now that are on deputation that need to get supported there. And we need to get them to the mission field. And we've got to know, don't you know, there are missionaries that we're trying to find out about that we don't support right now. Veteran missionaries that are in the four corners of the world that we don't even know about doing a great work for God. And a great work for God is they're seeing people saved and they're reproducing leaders and churches are being started. He's just saying, we must have faith. He said, enlarge a place like that. Now, can you imagine this man saying, well, God, I don't really believe what you're going to say, and he doesn't enlarge his tent. And then he's got five kids, but he one-bedroom apartment. And my wife and I learned long ago, we ain't going to have a one-bedroom apartment with five kids, amen? God said, I want you to get ready for growth. Have faith that God will save people and put them in the church, amen? Have faith that God will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail, Requires faith. Hey, it requires fervency. Look again at verse 2. Let them stretch. How many understand the word stretch? That's effort. That's work. How many guys lift weights? Don't raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass you, amen? You lift weights. What do you do as a man as you're lifting weights? Your lady. Well, you've done what you thought that last one. You try one more time, right? Ugh, then you fall back. No, you push it up, okay? You're stretching. Some of you young people that you, you get impressed with these gymnasts and how they stretch, and they've got such rubber band flexibility, so you start stretching, and when you're younger, you can stretch like that, amen? Stretching requires fervency, force, and strength. Look at these action words, stretching, lengthening, strengthening. Hey, fervency We've got to be diligent about this matter. And then he says, he says, spare not. Listen, missions conferences are God's, is God's way of stretching us. Missions conference wants us to stretch our vision beyond San Leandro and the greater Bay Area. He wants us to see lands and areas we've not been. Hey, our goal when our missionaries come is that when Jerry Wyatt presents Tanzania and when, 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 and when, when the other missionaries present their areas, it, the goal there is that God opens our eyes and minds and brings us to even, to, we feel like we're even walking the same path with those missionaries. He wants to stretch our imagination. He wants to stretch our praying. He wants to stretch our giving. 
We need to lengthen our cords. We need to lengthen our opportunities. Listen, I understand this year it's going to be a little bit tough, but I'm telling you, as I said before, this year for Faith Promise Missions, whatever you pledged last year, I want you to keep it the same, and if God works in your heart, increase it, increase it. But alongside of that, I want you to put aside a, a certain amount, a larger amount, that is a one-time gift that we're going to use as a capital sum to help start some more churches and get some things done for, for God's glory through these missions. It requires, it requires stretching. Listen, Building a church on the mission field requires stretching. That missionary gets there is just him and his family. I mean, they, they don't know anybody. It requires stretching. Building a church in the Bay Area, if you haven't figured this out, it requires stretching, lengthening. A growing church is always stretching forth. A growing church is always lengthening the cords. A growing church is always strengthening the stakes. Stretch forth. I'm going to say something you may not agree with this morning. God wants to stretch people who already feel like they're stretching limits. You feel like you're stretching limits, there's more room to stretch. God wants to stretch people who've given and given and given to faith, promise, mission. He wants to stretch you again. God wants to stretch people who have never been stretched before. We need to stretch the number of missionaries we support. We need to stretch our faith promise giving. We need to stretch giving out more tracts. We need to stretch telling more people about Jesus, that there's a Savior in heaven that can solve their problems and heal them of their sins. It requires foresight. Look at verse 2 again. Now, God didn't give him a number of how big he's going to be, but you know what God was doing? He was giving a vision to that man. He was giving a vision to that woman. And I want to remind you this morning, God is giving a vision to the Heritage Baptist Church. He wants us to enlarge our vision. He wants us to see what he sees. He wants us to sit in that watcher and wait for that vision to come. We must have foresight. Listen, you can't expand a tent. You can't prepare for growth if you're not looking ahead. You've got to look ahead. You've got to, dude, listen, secular businesses, they call it forecasting. They're forecasting where they're going to be. They're talking about where they're going to go. They're talking about when, this, when they're going to come out this product. They're talking about how they're going to pay for it. They're talking about what they're going to do there. They're talking about at this certain point, we're going to have to raise up more shareholders. Listen, if secular businesses can do that, how much more that the work of God, which is eternal, God's people need to be looking out with us for three to five to ten years and stop worrying about the past and stop worrying about the minutia and start thinking about the mission. There are streets we have not evangelized. There are veteran missionaries that need our support. There are new missionaries that we need support. There are cities we need to take our ministry to. There are people who need Jesus Christ. There are hospitals that need to hear from I'm saying this morning, we've got to recognize today we have to have a foresight, a vision. We've got to see as far as God will allow us to see. But I'm reminded this morning it requires finances. How are you going to pay for it? Faith promise, if you follow the message on Wednesday, if you didn't have a chance, go back to the podcast and look at my uh, view and listen to the message I preached Wednesday about faith promise. Faith promise, according to Philippians chapter 4, is how God uses you and I as part of his church to finance the work of missions. And the beauty of it, it spreads the risk of supporting the missionary, the responsibility, I should say, across many churches. So we're all shareholders in the work of God. And when we give, he says we're to give once and again. And when we give, God describes our offering in faith promise as an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. That is very powerful. We're about pleasing God. And God is pleased as a church when all of us, even children, participate in faith promise missions. Giving within your ability, giving beyond your tithe, taking your special offerings. Our church has been good for 21 years. We've had a special need. Whenever I've made appeal, our church has been very good in responding to it. And you know what I'm going to tell you this morning? We're going to have to do it. We've done it once. We need to do it again. And Paul said this, you know, I'm very glad that your care for me has flourished again. And I'm going to tell you, we have some missionaries that are going to be very thankful, sending us some greetings and telling us, thank you for taking care of us. I appreciate David Board. I never get a message from David Board, our mission to Cambodia, without him saying, thank you for always remembering us. 
I think about several other missionaries always saying this. Thank you for always remembering. Brother Rick Martin, I'll tell you about him in a minute, requires finances. Will you participate again in faith promise? Will you do it once and again? We trust God to meet your commitment for your need. I'm just saying this morning, we look at the faith participation. God said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to, your home's going to grow. There are going to be more children, but you've got to make some room. You've got to enlarge the place of thy tent. By the way, God is telling our church to enlarge the place of our tent. God said, we better get ready. It may be, we need to, there may be more land God wants us to acquire. There may be another city God wants us to start something in. There may be some extension ministries. He wants us to enlarge the place of our tent and stretch forth the curtain of our habitation. He wants us to spare not. He wants us to lengthen our cord, and he wants us to strengthen the state. He wants us to get burdened about what God wants to do. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the fact God wants to bless our barrenness. He wants us to get out of being a fruitless church and being a fruitless people and producing fruit that will remain and watching what God can do through every one of us. Finally, as we close this morning, would you notice the fruitful propagation? And then he furthers what he says in verse 3 by saying, For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. I like that phrase, break forth. You're going to have a breakout. It's going to be great, amen? It's going to break out. It's kind of like, it's like a hole in, the, in a dam. And that hole gets big and all of a sudden a gush of water breaks out. You're going to break forth, you didn't say on one hand, you're going to break forth both on the right and left. I'm going to give you growth. Why? Because you had faith. Because you obeyed. Because you had vision. Because you participated. Because you followed the faith of your pastor. Because you got excited again. Hey, listen, some of us this morning, we need to get that old fire of God burning in our hearts. Last week, God sent lightning. They sent 11,000 lightning strikes across the Bay Area that set those fires. I wish to God some of those lightning strikes would hit some of God's people and set God's people on fire this morning. Amen? He's a God that answers by fire. And so he talked about a fruitful propagation in verse 3. He said, you'll break forth on the right and left. And he says, thy seed shall inherit the Gentile. You know what he's saying there? You and full multiple generations, because you are falling through with the idea of missions, you and multiple generations of the church, the next generation, will go among the, the Gentile nations, and you'll give them the gospel. And he says there, and you shall make the desolate cities to be inhabited. I want you to understand something this morning. Every city that does not have the gospel, and every city that does not have Jesus Christ, and every city that doesn't have a church like Heritage Baptist Church, that is a desolate city that is in need of a church planner, in need of a pastor, in need of a missionary, in need of somebody to go there and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Churches reproduce churches. Souls will be saved and baptized. God will bless faith and effort. There'll be fruit, more fruit and much fruit. I need to end, but let me tell you something this morning. God, what I'm just telling you, that's what God is doing in the mission. We are privileged. I'm going to throw some names at you. And next time you get your prayer page, look it up. God has blessed our church with church planters that we support and missionaries we support that are doing it on that field. They're seeing, they're, they've brought forth, they've enlarged the place of their tent. They stretch forth their curtains of their habitation. They are not sparing not. They, they spare not. They're lengthening their cords and they're breaking forth on the right hand and they continue to strengthen their states. Let me give you an example. Brother Rick Martin in the Philippines. Brother Rick Martin's work, there may be as many as 8,000 works around the world because of what? The original work that started at Elo Baptist Church in Elo Elo. All over the, that, 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 that island, all over the mountainous areas, all those rural areas and the Negros Islands there and other places, there are churches all over there they are established. And granted, they may be small churches, but they're churches, Amen. He's got a missionary down there in, in Africa that's doing tearing it up. He's got a missionary there over in the over in the, the Bahamas area that's tearing it up in Haiti. I think of Edgar Fagali. He was with us earlier this year. When all the works have established in the Middle East. I think of Bob Mack, who we took on last year, who's in Cote d'Ivoire, a veteran missionary who's got five thriving churches throughout the Ivory Coast. I think about another couple of our missionaries in, in a restricted access nation of China. They got multiple churches. They started off with just their home church. And now I think of one, he's got seven or eight churches. I think of another one right now. He's on their fourth church they're starting. 
I think of Brother Dan Morris we're going to have here who's in Mexico. Brother Morris has started 23 churches. If he didn't have three that went, that went a different direction and, and, and basically hurt him, listen, he'd probably have 26 to 27. But 23 churches, if started, listen, who doesn't want to support a missionary like that? Who doesn't want to get behind something like that? He's breaking forth. He got the vision that God said, I'm going to buy, provide more children. I'm going to enlarge your place. So he said, well, you know what? We've got to enlarge the place of our tent, and we've got to stretch forth our curtains, and we've got to lengthen the cord, and we've got to strengthen the stakes. And I'm saying this morning, listen, when I just go through those names, and there are many more, there are men of God getting the work done as far as they're concerned. They plan to stay there on the mission field the rest of their life. Terry Unruh in Sri Lanka. Sam Thomas in India. Joel Travis in Nepal. Bruce Wright in Mindanao. Ed Lorena in Laguna area. I mean, I, the list can go on. These are not just missions. These are personal friends of mine. They're getting the job done. Will you get the job done? Will you get the job done? Will you be a soul winner? Will you bear fruit that will remain? Will you look at your condition and say, God, is that me you're speaking to? And he said, you don't have to stay that way. You know, I'll give you consolation. He said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to remove that stigma. I'm going to remove the barrenness. How does he get removed? Just get back in fellowship with Jesus. For if these things be in you and about, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fruitful propagation. Join me this morning to prepare your heart for the missions conference. Join me this morning to get your heart ready for a breakout on the right and on the left. Just all you have to say is, Lord, here am I. Use me. Here am I, Lord. I'm available. Set on your hearts this morning. You're going to participate in faith promise missions. Again. Again. You'll have a capital gift. So I can help inspire our missionaries to start a few more churches coming year. I've got a plan. I'll say more about that next Sunday. I'm not going to tell you tonight. I'm going to wait till next Sunday night. What I want to inspire all of our missionaries to do and what I want us to do, a faith preparation. When I read my Bible, God says enlarge. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Would you enlarge your life? And this morning, I'll tell you, God has great mercies for us this morning do not feel this morning that, oh, God can't use you. No, he can use you. He wants to use you. It's well-pleasing to him. He has great mercies. If this morning you're watching and not saved, his great mercies extend to you, inviting you to open your heart. Ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior for the forgiveness of your sins, that you can become a child of God. I got a report yesterday after I found out about, after this lady got saved, I got a report from another member, someone in another foreign country that they got burdened for. They called them up. Can you imagine? From the United States to a foreign country. Talked to that person about the Lord, and not long after that, that person trusted Jesus Christ, their Savior, too. Stretching forth. Stretching forth. Will you stretch forth? Would you lengthen the cords? Would you strengthen the stakes? Would you get saved this morning? Call on the Lord to save you today.